It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you certainly can. We will take your calls a little bit later in the show, but as we do every other Thursday, we welcome in Ring of Honor member and Super Bowl champion Phil Sims in the Sims Spotlight, presented by Bigelow T. Grab a mug and tea proudly. Phil, you got Schmelk and Dettino. How is your third week in October going? Well, it's um, going okay. This is going to be one of the rough moments of the week. So, <laughs> yes, I don't know what it, generally, that's true. It, it, look, you know, I'm watching <laughs> the game, I'm watching the tapes and this, and I go, oh, boy, here we go. But, hey, that's that's the NFL. It's It's rough. It's tough. And when you're in a situation like this, all you can do for the New York Giants, like every team, put your head down and just keep working and make it happen. Yeah, Phil, and that's what the Giants are doing. Uh, So put your analyst hat on here. You take a look at what's happened to the Giants these last couple of weeks since we last spoke to you. What do you see, and what's the solution? Is there an easy solution? Just give me your you know 20,000-foot take here. Oh, well, there's no easy solution. My gosh, no matter what it is, it's never easy. Uh, even when you win, you look back and you go, oh, my gosh. it's uh, things that, I'll, I'll get to this. It comes down to this, just as I'm watching the game and really, you know, as I watch all of them, look at the Rams. And, again, we've talked about this before, but it's, it's what it's about. I don't care what you do. Look at the talent that they had. Look at the stars that were on the field. Look at the guys that could win the game almost by themselves if they play well. Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, the quarterback, Matt Stafford, you know, he's, a, he's as good a thrower as the football as we won the top ten of all time in history throwing the football. So you look at that. Look at Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. You just keep going on. Guys that can make plays to win the game. Oh, that's right, Jalen Ramsey, he's pretty good too. <laughs> so that's where my point is. No matter what you game plan and what we do and we think, Sometimes when you're outmatched, you've got to go out there and, of course, play a certain way and hope everything falls your way to win those games. Well, Phil, on paper, how much, if at all, do you believe the Giants would be outmatched against a Carolina team who, by the way, is also missing their franchise running back due to injury just like the Giants are? I think the Giants, of course, match up a lot better against the Carolina Panthers than they did the Los Angeles Rams. You know, everybody has the same game plan against the Ram defense. Grab the ball and throw it as quick as you can. And, you know, I remember everybody complaining, oh, Andy Dalton didn't take any shots down the field in week one. Well, I think we know why now. Unless you like getting run over at the quarterback position, you better catch it and get rid of it. And they're, not only that, I'll get off, don't mean to get offline here or off the way, but the Rams, good talent, terrific schemes, too. So that even makes their talent even better. And that's one thing when you get good talent that you can start to, to you know, uh, coming up with plays to really take advantage of that talent even more. And the Rams do that on both sides of the football. I thought they had many elements in their game that gave the Giants problems, even if the Giants were at the top of their game and had everybody healthy and all that. 
all the defensive stunts they did, the blitzes. And on offense, man, they had some breakers that the Giants had no answers for. Um, you know, So not to get off on the question, and the question is about the Carolina Panthers. Hey, look, they've lost three in a row. They're starting to doubt themselves. Who's going to make plays for them on the offensive side? Sam Darnold throwing some interceptions. You know, they got D.J. Moore. Then who's next? That's the good question. So, you know, this is a game without – hey, get embarrassed the way you did last week. What happened down in Dallas? This is a game, and not to be Mr. Pep Talker here, whatever, but if the <laughs> Giants are not in this game till the end and all that, that's a bad sign. They can hang with this Carolina team and play with them, and it's going to have to be good. I'm not taking anything away from Carolina. But the Giants play one of their better games. They, they can beat the Carolina Panthers, that's for sure. Now, Phil, I know that you know, you're know you very high on Daniel Jones. I am, too. A number of people are. He did struggle last week. I mean, I don't know if that was remnants from the concussion from the week before. I don't know if it was just that they were outmanned and went against a very good defense. Pass pressure might have something to do with that, too. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly where the circumstances lie on the scale, but I would expect him to be able to bounce back this week, even though Carolina's defense is pretty formidable, too. Well, it is formidable. All the numbers tell you that they're doing great when you look at the Carolina Panthers. I mean, their defense, the worst thing they do, if I remember looking at it, is they're average against the run. Yep. Uh, they do have some good pass rushers, things like that, but they're not sacking the quarterback. Well, sometimes that's misleading, too. And, you know, when you talk about, and I've heard coaches say this, they did when I used to do games, pressuring the quarterback is what it's all about. That creates bad throws, bad decisions, fumbles, Many things, and if you can pressure the quarterback, of course that gives you a great. That's what Carolina hopes to do. I think they got to be a little disappointed in what the way their defense has played here uh, the last couple of weeks. When they have a chance to wrap up games, they didn't get it done. And um, I forgot what the question is because I got so many things in my mind. <laughs> well, it was about Daniel's but, but, you know, ability to bounce back. Offense, go ahead. D- Daniel's sorry, ability to bounce back, Phil. I mean, oh yeah, well Daniel Jones. Sure, look. All players, when it doesn't go your way in a game, and, and of course I lived it many times, you know, the week is, you know, you talk to yourself a lot, and you you don't talk a lot to other people. You just go about your work because you want to make amends for what happened the game before. Did I look at the game too? Did, you know, it was very tough on Daniel Jones. He had to anticipate so much because of the pressure of the defensive line. That's going to cause mistakes. And he threw under pressure a lot, and some of those throws a little off target, which which led to interceptions. But, you know, I didn't look at the game and go, wow, if Daniel Jones somehow could have overcome the situation and the environment it was in, if he played great, would they have a chance of winning? And the answer is no. Too many other things were wrong on the football team, and the Rams are just too good. Well, Phil, I want to then turn the page here, and let's go back to the Panthers, because the one thing that – kind of draws me into their defense when I watch them is that they have just a lot of speed. Their guys coming off the edge are fast. You know, Jeremy Chin's running around when Shaq Thompson's healthy and he might not be this week. He's got the foot problem. He's running around. And unfortunately, the Giants just put their starting left tackle and probably their best offensive lineman, Andrew Thomas, on injured reserve this week. So you're going to have Solder and Matt Parrott out there. Corey Cunningham's going to get some snaps as the third tackle. And they're going to be dealing with these guys that are coming off the edge with a lot of speed and a lot of agility. So if you're an offensive coordinator and you're looking at that, what's your preferred way as someone that played the position of quarterback to help out your protection? Do you like leaving extra guys in to chip? 
Do you like, you know, spreading the field and just trying to get the ball out quickly? Do you like a lot of run and play action? What's your preferred method for helping out in protection but still giving the quarterback the best chance to succeed with some options? Well, all the above. I mean, you hit it, and you, you do everything. In other words, you always want to try to help them. You can help tackles in the NFL. In other words, hey, if your center and guards are at least stable, that allows you – it's hard to help them inside. But you can help the tackles with formations. It doesn't have to be – you know, chipping. If you just reach your hand out as a tight end, which I watch a lot of games, and you just barely hit the defensive end, that's going to be enough to disrupt him to give you extra time and to help your tackle out. But, you know, it, what's the weakness? Not a weakness, but as I look at the Carolina team, okay, running the football, can you do that? Can you shorten the game? Can you get some – I love your idea, which is what you do, and a lot of teams do against the good defenses, against the Rams, against Tampa Bay. They spread them out. They get rid of the football really quick to neutralize the pass rush, what they have over there. And uh, all those all those are answers to your problems. Easy to say, hard to do. <laughs> and if the Giants do win the game, it's going to be extremely hard fought. They're going to play very well, and it'll be very close. Phil, on the other side of the token here, you've got Sam Darnold goes down to Carolina, the big trade from the Jets. And the one thing that's noticeably different from him compared to what he was with Gang Green is that he's much more willing to run the football. It looks like they're planning for him to run the ball more, and he's doing it, and he's been effective as such. Especially in the red zone. So please tell me what you see out of Sam Donald, aside from this magical set of legs he's all of a sudden grown. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you know, it's – Something I think you he realizes he needed to do. I'm I'm sure they encourage him to do it too. You know, look, look, and get out of there. And that, that's really almost how you want almost every quarterback in the league to play. You know, to run. And when you we've gone over this before, but when you run as a quarterback, you're aware of everything going around you. You decide how much punishment you want to take. Now I will tell you when I've watched some of their tapes and over the, try to stay up with them this year. You know, he takes some really big hits when he runs the football. I'm like, wow, give it up a yard earlier. And, you know, I know he feels like this is a big year in his career and all that, but he's got to stay healthy, and they're taking advantage of that. He is moving out of the pocket quicker, and I think a lot of it has to do with they're they're not uncovering as fast as you would want as wide receivers. I think they've got to be disappointed. Robbie Anderson not having the big year that, you know, I thought he would. But, um, so, yes, I – I've said this about Daniel Jones. you got to use his legs. And somebody yelled at me <laughs> the other day. I forgot where I was. And he goes, well, Daniel Jones, what was he doing running the ball against the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys? Because he should. Because they want him to. And they need to take advantage of that great talent. And, I, and the guy was like, wow, okay. I was just trying to give you my opinion there. Don't get upset at me. But, but whatever you think. I do. In the today's game, the quarterbacks, if you have the ability, you've got to use your legs when you can. Well, Phil, was the guy that yelling at you a, a very tan, excitable Italian man in northern New Jersey? <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't him, but yes, I know that. <laughs> I, I know. Poor Paul. I mean, come on. Hey, hey, Paul, Phil, it's okay if people disagree with you. My God. And Phil, by the way, last week, you wouldn't have believed it. Paul got on the air last week. I was sitting here, and he silenced me. I didn't, I, I didn't know what to say. He said... 
just give up on running the ball. We just should go out there and wing it all over the field and throw it every time. I, I, I thought I was sitting here looking at, you know, Eric well, Coriel over here across the table from me. I, I didn't know what to say. Well, listen, I'll just say this, Paul. That is a great idea. But the Giants need to put 10 quarterbacks on their roster then. Because they're going to be going down fast if you try to throw it and think you're going to do that. Did you watch the offensive line protect last Oh, week? my God, Phil. Do we was... see where we're at with this? Yeah. So let me say this about all football teams in the NFL. If your offensive line is playing subpar, you almost have no chance to win. Yep. And, and it, it's the most important thing. Sure. It, it, it dictates the whole football team. And, and, and as I've said, and, you know, I repeat myself all the time, I don't care, but I try to drive home a point. When we look at playoff teams, look who goes into the playoffs. Look who advances. It's almost always the best offensive lines that advance in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I do this every year. I look at all the playoff teams and go, yep, they, almost everyone has one thing in common. Their offensive lines had good years. They're versatile. They can run, pass, protect, whatever. And that just – Helps out the whole team, of course, and uh, gives you a better chance to win. That, that's easy to say. Well, now, now, John, I can. I, let's give Phil a complete picture here. And I did. No. I did say, Phil, I wanted to see screens, bubble screens, the the, the you know, all, all the wide receiver screens, the quick stuff. I was not just saying go back there, five step drop, and get your quarterback killed. That's not what I heard. Well, that, I that's a good clear. Clarification there. I like that, Paul. Okay. I don't want to save yourself. Thank you. But, thank you know, listen, I, let's go to this. It sounds great. It sounds like, why can't you do it? But is it, is it who you are? Right. In other words, have you worked? You watch the Buffalo Bills play. The Buffalo Bills throw a lot of screens, a lot of picks, and all that, because that's their run game. They don't care. They just, they're going to keep the hands on their quarterback, and they're going to get it to their receivers. But they've been doing this last year. At the end of the year, they got really into it. They did it during preseason when they practice, and they've done it every single game. Just to say, hey, today we're going to throw a lot of screens and do all this. If that's not who you are on the offensive side, you can't create that in one week. And when I see the Giants, I don't see them as that team. Phil, you know, and I feel like the Giants' defense is in a bit of a catch-22 here also. I've been thinking about this a lot this week. I'd like to get your take on it. You know, if they go out there and, and, and they try to man up, they don't get enough pass rush to protect the cornerbacks and eventually someone uncovers, even if it's, you know, that secondary play after the initial play because the pressure doesn't get there. Uh, They're having trouble finding a slot corner that can cover. If you blitz, then all of a sudden you're allowing some more big plays that like you have in um, more than you have last year. I'm just trying to figure out what the formula is for this defense right now because they just have not been able to get enough pressure on the quarterback rushing four, even five guys, especially off the edge. What what's your answer when you run into that situation when you just can't figure out a way to to generate pressure and on top of that your secondary hasn't shown the ability to cover long enough when you do blitz to prevent the big play? Well, you bring up a lot of questions. <laughs> this is up to it, 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 no, but it's up to Patrick Graham. Can this is a little different? You can create false pressure blitz zones. You know, you you got to go ahead and do this. You got to and you, you got to find ways to upset and disrupt the opposing quarterback. And there's a lot of ways to do it without taking chances. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have made 20 years on it. Blitz zone. I mean, Bill Cowher, that's all he talks about every Sunday. I hear him, he goes, you know, they do do some blitz zones. Okay, okay, coach. Every team in the league is going to do it. But (laughs) but it, it is a way to create deception without taking chances. That's the easiest thing to say. And if you are going to blitz, 
then it's got to be something, of course, this is easy to say, hard to do, something the other team is not ready for. And if you catch them by surprise, then you can get there before the uh, pass coverage breaks down. So it's tough to do and tough to sit there and say, hey, I'm going to put you know, DJ Moore one-on-one with no help out there, and we're going to blitz and try to get to the quarterback first. I don't know if that's the answer, but uh, if you do blitz, you got to be sure that it's going to get there. The defense has got to be ready. But I do like the blitzing and playing it safe on the other side probably more, especially for the Giants, the way their defense is playing. Phil, I know we're short on time here, but I need to ask you from the short sample size you've seen of Kadarius Toney, and I know he's hurt right now. Oh, and It doesn't geez. look too good this week, but what do you think? It's, it's watching him in the game and just seeing him, and, of course, studying him in college, he pops on the field. He looks different. You know, early in the game, I went, who is that? Oh, that's Kadarius Coney. Okay, here we go. And he looks the part. He looks different. Um, I think the Rams would have had a tough time with him, covering him. He's, um, and he, you can even see it when he's on the field. The confidence that he has is shows the way he just carries himself uh, and, and the way he plays. So that's a big deal. I mean, come on. Tony, it just would go. The offensive line beat up. No Saquon Barkley at 100%. All those things, man, that's the NFL. And good teams find ways to manage a few victories in these really tough times, and that's what the Giants have to do. Phil, final question. Just give me a couple quick keys to victory this weekend for the Giants. I think, you know, we agree with you that if you play well, you've got a real chance to win this game. It isn't a situation like the last two weeks where you're playing two of the best teams in the National Football League. So what are a couple things the Giants need to do on either or both sides of the ball if they do want to walk out of MetLife Stadium with their whole first home victory of the season? Well, listen, I'm not asking for great protection of Daniel Jones, just solid, because I think they can throw the ball on the Panthers. I know they're ranked pretty high in some of their categories in the past. They're number two, I think, in the top five, whatever. But a lot of that is because teams decide, you know, you can run the ball on them too. But protect Daniel Jones. I think they can throw the football. And, you know, I had another one in my mind, and I'm sitting here thinking about all these stats, which I hate doing. Uh, but that's, that's the big thing. To do that, to say they're going to line up and just run the ball and have great success doing that against the Carolina front, I do not think it will happen. It'll have to be a lot about Daniel Jones getting protected enough to throw the football and Paul, use the quarterback's legs. Use the legs, Paul. Well, yes. Can he outrun Hassan Reddick, Phil? Can he do that? Reddick had five sacks in the game against the Giants last year when he played for the Cardinals. Well, he better be ready to run then. <laughs> yeah, what a nice pickup that was for the for the Carolina Panthers. Hassan Reddick has just turned in. They put him in a great position. He's taken advantage of it. Man, we see that with so many players. And um, well, look, they know who he is. They'll be ready for it. They got to have a game plan. I'll be interested to see, but it'll have to be. You know, always it has to be creative. I think you guys said it. What do we do? Do we spread it out? Get rid of the football quick? Do we chip to try to take some throws down the field? They're going to do all these things. And of course, the defense. Just easy to say, but just make them one-dimensional. And if you do, make Sam Darnold keep throwing the football. And you know, he's not a. What's the word for it? A shrinking violet. He will take some chances throwing the football. And if he does, you've got to take advantage of a few of them when he does that it works your way. Phil, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for being with us, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Okay, guys, thank you, and um, have a good day, and great to talk to you. That's Phil Sims in the Sims Spotlight, presented by Bigelow Tea. Grab a mug and tea proudly. 
You look on your face like you want to say something, Paul. Well, you know, I. It'd be great to be able to get Donald to make some bad throws because he usually does every week. He's and inconsistent, especially when he's under pressure. He will give you chances, no question. Here's the big problem, John. Can the Giants catch him? Is that where, is that where you're going with it? Because they, they have it so far this year. They keep dropping their chances. I know McKinney had two last week, but it the it, one the one that really could made a difference is one that he didn't catch. That was a bigger one for me. No. I, it was that was first quarter, yeah. I mean, you could go up ten nothing. That was a play much like bigger play than the ones he made later on. The interceptions he had later were almost totally inconsequential. Um, the one before the half might have stopped the Rams from scoring another three, maybe. But yes, not certainly not as consequential as the first one. And this entire first part of the season has been littered with missed opportunities at taking advantage of quarterbacks who basically served it to you on a platter. Uh, they've they've had too many of those yeah. where they could have gotten off the field. See, and I'm those tired. are plays that they made last year too. Yes, and then and what kills me, John, and even my father says to me, "Why can't the defense get off the field?" Now, I'm like, Dad, because they keep dropping the potential turnovers or takeaways that would get them off the field. Yeah, look, Paul, there there are three factors to this, and I know you guys are on hold. I'll get to you in a second, but I think this is a good conversation very quickly. That's one, no question, no disagreement. I'm with you. I got two others for you. Okay. And it goes into the same bucket, if you will. They're in the position to stop some of these running plays if they just make a damn tackle. Well, isn't that what uh, Coach Graham was just talking about and Coach Spencer was just talking about outside on the patio? That, you know, there are times that the fit, the run fit's there. Not and, the and they're letting the guy squeeze through. They're giving up leaky yardage is what, yeah. what was and said. That's, you know, Blake Martinez doesn't do that. He makes tackles. Correct. And then the third one for me, and I talked about this earlier in the week, so I don't want to completely rehash it. But, Paul, they're just giving up more chunk plays than they did last year. What did I say all year last year? I'm sure the fans got annoyed. They're like, Schmelk, will you stop saying the same thing all over again? Well, I kept saying it all and over again because I thought it was really important. The Giants were one of the best teams in the league last year not giving up the big mm-hmm. play. Passes of 20-plus yards, 30-plus yards, 40-plus yards. They were top five in the league in all those categories last year. You know where they are now? Not in the top five. They're, they're closer to the bottom five or or, or, or or middle quintile. You know, it makes such a difference because, Paul, you know this. One 50-yard play, one 40-yard play, that can turn an entire game in a second. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't give up those plays last year. And this year, they're coming Far too often. And Captain Obvious would tell you, look at their pass rush pressure rate and their sack rate, and those numbers are so far down. (laughs) Captain Obvious says, I get it. Yeah, and and I I also just don't think they're covering as well in general. I agree with that too. It's a bad combination of factors. I'm not going to lie, Paul. We got to listen to a lot of pretty important stuff there. But anyway... Hi, everybody. 201-939-4513. Knicks, baby. Knicks. New York Knicks. We can talk some Knicks Celtics if you want. All right, let's go to uh, – oh, I should read the one spot here first. Hold on. Okay. Um, what do we got here? The Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. No jokes about that. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. All right, we'll go in order here, one through three. Jonathan in Westchester will lead us off. Jonathan, what's going on? Hey, how are you guys? I'm good, man. What's going on? Uh, So I called in last week to discuss the number of injuries that the Giants are dealing with and possible solutions. 
And right. one thing that yeah, one thing that I didn't bring up last week um, is the field surface. So I went back and looked at this. The the Giants had grass at the old Giants Stadium for three years from. 2000 through 2002. The yep. trays, the muddy, horrible grass trays. And it was it was muddy, and I remember being there. It was not great. But um, it is. I think those that, years, the team was the, the facility was shared with the soccer team, right? In those years, Paul, if I remember that correctly. Ma- well, World Cup was in. Right, but it wasn't there some kind of New York. Well, team, the Jet, New the Jersey Jet, the Jets played there. The World Cup played there. Um, I don't think anybody else played okay. there at that time. Okay. Right. So during that three-year period, uh, the Giants went 29 and 19, and believe it or not, the Jets actually went 28 and 20. Um, and uh, I was also looking. There was a study done on player injuries in the NFL between 2012 and 2018, which shows showed that players have an overall 28 percent higher rate of non-contact lower extremity injuries on turf. So I'm wondering if you think maybe with the technological advances uh, that have been made over the last 20 years, they could they could try to go back to the grass field. I mean, the, it's know, it's very hard. No, no, I hear you. It's very hard, Jonathan, when you have two teams using the using the stadium, and some teams do that. The the Steelers, for example, they have a grass field. They use it, and Pittsburgh, the college team, uses it. But that field's oftentimes a mess when teams mm-hmm. play there late in the year. So. Is it possible? Sure. But I, I really, I mean, look, Saquon Barkley stepped on a dude's foot. Kenny Galladay yep. went up, made contact with Trayvon Diggs in the air and came down wrong. You know, uh, Andrew Thomas got rolled up by a running back. You know, these aren't turf, in my opinion, these aren't turf, you know, Darius Slane pulled a hamstring. Heck, Sarah, those injuries you're talking about could happen on a beach Shepherd on the sand. and Peppers I mean, pulled seriously. hamstrings. Like, like, these are not, it's not like the cleats are sticking in the dirt here. It you know Kadarius Tony going out of bounds. The guy rolled up on his ankle when when he made a tackle. I mean, uh, to me these these aren't really turf related injuries. And last year, believe it or not, the Giants were actually near the top of the league in terms of soft tissue injuries and in, in, in terms of their prevention. So I, I just think sometimes you have bad luck. And I know fans are always trying to find solutions to these things, and I appreciate that. I, I do too. But sometimes it's just you know what happens, and you kind of have to deal with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Pleasure uh, listening. Appreciate to you. the effort, though. Yeah, and, and thank and you. Appreciate you listening and calling, in, Jonathan. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye bye. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, like everyone prefers to play on grass, but keeping that field in good shape with two teams there, it's hard, well, especially when it gets really cold out. It, it's yeah. We're in the Northeast. That's the other thing too. We're not down in Georgia. We're down in. Mississippi, I mean, or think maybe about some it. warmer weather climates. Eagle, Carolina Eagles have field turf, right? Well, yeah, they have a they have a blend, but yeah, it's field. It's a it's an artificial. It's surface, synthetic, which which does have real blades coming through. Right. It. It's a weird kind of thing, but, but it is a natural grass. No, it's not. No. It's not. It's 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 a mixture of natural and plastic. Patriots, they don't have natural grass up there, do no. they? No, they replaced it. The Bills don't have natural grass, right? They replaced that too. Cleveland doesn't have natural grass. That was replaced too. Cincinnati doesn't have natural grass. No. So no. and then you get into indoor stadiums, right? right? Like the Packers do. That's the two North teams that come to mind immediately for me that play on natural grass. I don't know what the Chiefs, the Chiefs have natural grass. Mm, don't think so. The the two northern teams that come to mind for me are Pittsburgh and Green Bay. 
another yeah. one doesn't unless I'm forgetting somebody, but those are the two teams that come to mind. Oh, no, you're right. Me. Seattle's got turf. Yep. Wow, John. Oh, Chicago. Chicago is grass, but that's that feels grass. always it's a mess. It's always a mess. <laughs> it's always a mess. I love I love the fact I remember I some years Chicago. ago. Good call. Some years ago we were at uh, Soldier Field and um Giants were getting ready to play the Bears, and I'm down on the field a couple hours before, as I always check the and field guys, conditions. Guys, trust me, Paul's obsessed with field conditions. We make fun of it for him every week. It's a big deal for he, me. Paul loves it. So I'm down there, and I'm I'm going up and down the Giants' sideline looking at this field, and it is just an absolute mess. Now, I'm not a golfer, but I do know that when people go to the golfing range, they're constantly taking divots, right? When they when they yeah. do the drives, uh-huh. they shoot the drives. And they put the sand back in right? and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at all these divots, if you will, all over the field from from like the numbers to the sideline. Yeah. On the giant sideline. Is Chicago one of the places that actually spray paints their field well, too green? I so I go over to the to the <laughs> to the one of the maintenance guys and I said, Could I see your groundskeeper? Because I, I always try to talk to someone who's in charge of the field when I see stuff because I'm interested. So he brings the head groundskeeper over, and I said to him, um, so what, what do you do about this? This is pretty rough, you know, for an NFL game. And he goes, oh, we spread magic grass across the field. And I laughed, and he goes, you want to see? And he calls one of his guys oh, over. No. And the guy, the guy comes over, and he's got a big bucket. Of green sand, <laughs> and he just and he starts throwing green sand into the divots, you're, and he goes, "See, kidding. I'm not kidding." That's what he did. He threw green sand, colored sand, into the divots. He goes, "See, look how that looks." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, okay, magic, magic, magic sand, magic grass." <laughs> <laughs> that's just what it is. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, that, that's, See? that's great. And if you weren't interested in that stuff, you couldn't get those stories, John. How did you not bring that up on the pregame show? I don't know if I did. I may have. No, I would remember no? the magic. I would remember okay. the magic grass, okay. I think. Don't miss out on the return of Giants football. The 2021 season is underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG. 1925. Vinny is up in Connecticut. Yo, Vinny, what's up? Hey, guys, thanks for taking the call. What's up? Would your last name be McMahon? It is is Connecticut, actually. We're just going to leave it at Vinny. Okay. Um, (laughs) Hey, I I got a couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, I want want to talk about uh, Danny, Danny Jones. Um, You know, the I can't remember the name of the guy that called in yesterday, the caller. Oh, probably Charlie. But, uh, I remember him I remember him telling Jeff, you know, he wants to see Daniel Jones up his game, okay? Um, you know, the, these giant fans that I just feel like they're, they've got a short memory of what we've had in the past. Um, love Phil, love Eli. What, fan, what giant fan does not, right? But what giant fan would have loved to have had the legs Danny has if Phil and Eli could have been that mobile. To spin it a different way, how effective would Phil or Eli have been with this offensive line? 
Well, I mean, yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think we mean, saw how effective Eli was with the bad offensive line the last six years of his career. And early during Phil's career, he had a line that was akin to this as well. Yes. It was rough. Yeah. And by the way, I, and we should point out, we all of us have said on the show, the first four weeks with the offensive line did okay in pass protection. They did. And lo and behold, shockingly, that's when Daniel had his best four games. And exactly. the last two weeks when the line doesn't protect as well, all of a sudden he's not playing as well. Shocking. I know. You can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, that, I guess that's my point, is when he has time to throw, when you give the kid time to throw, he makes the throws. And, and he's able to scramble and he's able to run for really good yardage. Uh, I, I, I love the kid. I love him. I think he's going to surpass both Phil and Eli. Um, I really believe that if we can address the offensive line issues. You've got to give this kid a chance to, to throw the ball. When he has time to throw, he makes the deep throws. He, he's very accurate. I, I love the kid. I, I really, really do. Drives me crazy that there's so many Giants fans out there that, you know, are just not, not as positive of, of about, you know, they don't see what I see. Drives me crazy. And I know, I know Paul feels the same way, right, Paul? Well, let me put it to you this way. I, I tend to agree with you. I will say this. Um, I, I'm not going to put Daniel Jones' potential in the Phil Simms, Eli Manning category yet. I think that's where you went a little off the board for me because um, I, I have a hard time with a guy who hasn't proven that level of play to say he's going to be that good. I tend to mute my expectations a little bit more. But do I think that Daniel Jones is a winning quarterback and a franchise quarterback and that the Giants don't need to go get somebody else? Yes. I agree with you about that 100%. Okay? But if he turns out to be Kerry Collins, I've got no problem with that either. Yeah, and I think the other side of it too, and I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree with either of you guys because I agree with both of you. I think both of you are right on the money. You know, the super elite quarterbacks, I'm talking about the Lamar Jacksons. And by the way, he's throwing the ball great this year, by the way. He's taken that next step for the, as a passer. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. What makes those guys special is that they can do close to what they normally do, even when the, when the things around them maybe aren't ideal. And that's to me, is what separates it, right? If you have, like, the 12th best quarterback and everything is perfect, he can look like a top-five quarterback, right? Because the right things are going on around them. What makes a guy a special quarterback is when you can have things around him going poorly and he still performs at mm -hmm. a super high level. That's what separates. Like, how many times did Tom Brady have all his receivers hurt, his offensive line banged up, but he was still great, right? So that's what separates the, the great ones from the very good ones, in my opinion. And I think right now Jones is a guy where have you seen if things are good around him, he has a good protection, good weapons. He could be a very effective and top-quality starting winning NFL quarterback. But he's not at the point yet where he can make up for a lot of the deficiencies And, and it's him. hard to say if he'll ever get there. Oh, yeah. I, I don't mean, know that. No, we, no there, the, there's the, no way to know. The best example of this caller is Kurt Warner. Warner was with the Rams, right? And he's got everything going for him. This greatest show on turf. He's got Jackie Slater playing left guard or left tackle. And they're just wonderful. He's flinging it around. He's setting all kinds of numbers records. Then he gets hurt, loses his job, comes to the Giants. And he's just a good quarterback. All of a sudden, he's not a superstar anymore. Mm -hmm. He's just good. He's okay. 
leaves the Giants, goes to the Cardinals. They've got the weaponry for him, and he goes back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and, okay, that's but, not but a knock on Kurt cases, how, In both those cases, though, are we comparing the offensive lines? Like, how strong were those offensive lines? Because I think what the Giants have to address, and I went crazy for the last two years that they're, you know, I love Andrews. I love that they picked him up. But they have to. I mean, Thomas. They have to beef uh, Andrew Thomas. They have to pick up. Um, they have to concentrate on both sides of the ball on the line. It's they always the trenches, man. To do it. It's always going to be they the trenches. I will it. never they yield have, on that. Well, here's the problem. I, I, I love using this analogy. Let me just make yeah, this go one ahead, point. Sure, absolutely. How how if, if the New York Giants, okay, this this team, the, these weapons that they have, and if they were all healthy, all healthy, okay had the Dallas Cowboy offensive line and you give the Giants offensive line to the Cowboys, how, how much different would that offense on the Giants be with that line? No, Vinny, look, 100%. I mean, that, no, look, you're right and, and appreciate the call. I think you made some really good points there, Vin. Thank you very much. But the problem is that the resources that Dallas used to get all those offensive linemen are the resources that Giants used to get all those <laughs> Get all those weapons in a lot of ways, right? Well, so that that's the balance, right? First round pick Daniel Jones, first round pick Saquon Barkley, first round pick um, Kadarius Tony, big money contract for Kenny Galladay. Well, look at the Cowboys' offensive line: Tyron Smith, first round pick; uh, Zach Martin, first round pick; Leo Collins, big contract. You know, et cetera, et cetera. So you, this is a matter of where you put the resources. I will say this though, too: even for the greatest quarterbacks, Paul. There is a point where they can't make up for what's going on around them. Right. Too. That's at, true, too. Look at Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, for example. Correct. It was so bad. And look, he had no chance in that game. He was taking he had, too much water. He had no chance. No. So even the best quarterbacks reach a point of, of limit where they can't overcome it. But I'll say this, too. The Giants have addressed the offensive line, right? They went out there. Now, it doesn't mean that they've addressed it successfully, but they've tried to. They spent a lot of money on Nate Solden for agency. First-round pick Andrew Thomas. Second-round pick Will Hernandez. Third-round pick Matt Parrott. They've put resources into the position. And if Andrew Thomas was healthy and Nick Gates hadn't gotten hurt, and who knows? Shane Lemieux. Or if Shane Lemieux was still on the field. You know, say what you want about Shane Lemieux when he had his warts last year. Much rather have him on the field than the guys that are rolling out of left tackle, the left guard the last three or four weeks. If all those guys are healthy, how much different does this look? We don't know the answer to that, but I certainly would think it looks better. And look, Billy Price has done yeoman's work. He's done a nice, solid job at center. He's been fine, but you, you still lost the gates, right? And now you lose Thomas. You have to move Paired and Solder around. You got to figure that out. The left guard's think been rotating. This. Well, Hernandez is the only guy who's been in his same spot. He's the only guy. He's the only guy. So if all these injuries didn't happen, I think the line, again, would it be a top 10 line? No, probably not. But I agree with what Dave Gettleman said before the season, that he has more faith in the growth of those right. five right. than most other people do. Well, the problem is, for everybody who wants to shoot arrows at, at, uh, at Gettleman, is that you'll never know if his statement was true or not because we didn't get to see those five guys play together. True, but... I will say this. We don't know about Lemieux because he got hurt too early. So that's a guy we have a big question mark around. We don't know about Lemieux at all. Thomas, we know, gotten he better. Was, he was sure. 100% right about Thomas. But Matt Parrott seems to be trending the other way because they he tried, he couldn't win the starting job in the offseason. Right. That, that That is true. He turned out to be an early disappointment so you because have, they right. were hoping he would win the job. So you have one check mark with Thomas. You have a question mark with Lemieux. And now, guess what? Matt Parrott, you got three weeks. Andrew Thomas is on IR for three weeks. We're going to find out. We're going to find he's out. Play, and by the way, he's going to play left tackle. 
That's and and that's what he did last week after right, Thomas right. Got we hurt. were told by uh, Rob Sale, the offensive line coach. We never really addressed uh, uh, some of the the other comments today. Offensive line coach Rob Sale made it clear that he thought Tom, uh, Solder was finding a better groove at right tackle, and so they're going to keep him there. And they think that Parrot at this point is physically and technique-wise better suited to left tackle. So that's what they're going to do for the next three weeks. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. He's up next. Pete, what's going on? Nothing much. I'm glad you brought Getty up because, uh, you know, that's the meaning for my call. But, you know, as far as uh, uh, Shane Lemieux, we don't know what he is yet. You guys just said it. We don't know. Right. What was he, a fourth or a fifth rounder, I think? Fifth. Fifth. I think he was fifth, right? What we do know is about Shane Lemieux. Here's what we do know, though. Um, Solid run blocker because he's physically tough. He's a bulldog mentality. Very intense. A scrapper. Good run blocker, but but we don't know about him in pass. Kind of like that Richie Sorbert kind of guy where the measurables may not be perfect. It may not look pretty, but he'll fight you. In a steel cage. And and that actually is better for the run game than it is for the pass game. Correct. And isn't that really, for the most part, what's been missing from the Giants the entire season? Huh? They have not had run blocking? Well, yeah, but ultimately the pass pro is more important. Anyway, go ahead, Pete. All right. And also, you know, with Thomas, yes, you know, he's coming along certainly. You know, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame yet. He's no, of course coming not. along, That's yes. Fair. Right. And, uh, you know, certainly I want to see him, you know, another five, seven, eight games, whatever, and be steady and obviously, you know, uh, without injuries, see see what he is. For sure. Okay, to Absolutely. get a really good grade on him, right? Yep, that's fair. Now, as far as Getty goes, you know, I listen, I've had problems with him for, for quite some time. You know, he's had four years to, to kind of build this team, uh, you know, with, the, with uh, you know, all the tools that he's had, uh, his, um, <laughs> all the tools and money that he's been given, right? Uh, they gave him money in 16. They gave him money in 21, uh, you know, and uh, they gave all this money to Dory Jackson, who's been doing nothing. Uh, they've given, uh, they gave the money to Galladay, and that's okay, okay? But I would have preferred, I would have preferred uh, not giving the money to Galladay, not giving the money to Jackson, but addressing our offensive line. That's where I would have liked to put the money. Well, Pete, okay, Pete, Pete, right Pete, 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 just, just, yeah. just very quickly, Gettleman wasn't a GM in, in 2016, no, just FYI. I, that was, John and I are puzzled Reese. looking at each other mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, where did he get that from? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I thought it was him. It was Jerry Reese. Yes, Jerry, Jerry right. Reese, yes. yeah. Okay. All right, so here's my thing with Getty, all right? And now, before you go any actually, further, let me ask you one other question. Yeah, what, what offensive linemen were out there on the free agent market that you would have given – the money to instead of Jackson and Galladay. Who would you have two paid, of them, and how much would you have Chiefs. paid? Two of them are on the Chiefs. I don't know their names exactly. Joe you Thune. guys could look it up. You Joe would Thune you would have traded one. for Brown. Yes, you would. Yes. But that's Either a trade now. That's Either a trade. One, just one of those. Just but, one but, of but those. But that guys. wasn't. A, yeah, but but they didn't grab Orlando Brown Jr. in a free agency. They grabbed him in a trade. Yeah, and then they you know then they had to deal with the contract. But they right. traded the, for him, right? And the other signing was Joe Thune, the center. Right, right. I would, I would have, I would have gone either way with those. All if right, I now had hold a trade, on. I would have traded. All right, now hold on. Now, okay. So now here was the issue with that. You had Gates at center going into the season, who you felt pretty good about. 
And I think we all agree that Gates was proving to be a solid NFL center. Maybe not an all-star, but he doesn't have to be. Yes. Just had to be good. Yes. And I think we all right. think he was good. So that wouldn't that wouldn't wouldn't have helped there in terms of you would have played Thuney at guard, I'm sure. You wouldn't have played him at center, right? Right. But I but but it's right, so in, I'll give you that. In my, yeah, well, but in right. my scenario, this yeah. was all about depth also. We would have gotten a starter, you could have kind of swung the mule around a little bit or swung Gates around, and especially Gates to have that depth for the offensive line. All right, well, then, then Brown, now here's the trouble with Brown. Now, again, you, you, you're going to have a comeback here, and it's probably valid, but Brown was traded because he refused to play right tackle. He Correct. insisted he wanted to play left tackle, and so the Chiefs made the trade to get him and put him at left tackle. The Giants had always planned for Thomas to be the left tackle. Now, I yes. guess your comeback is you could have kept Thomas on the right side and said, Andrew, well, keep your mouth quiet. You're playing right tackle because we're going to get Orlando Brown to play left. That's probably well, the only scenario you could convince me of. Well, I probably would have said that, Paul, but now that you said it, I won't. There you go. <laughs> hey, I, I'm trying to be fair. I, look, I, I always see all sides of the coin. Trust me, I'm a, I'm a prism guy. I look at every angle. And one more thing as far as Getty. Now, you know, actually, this is – going to be real quick okay and i know it's still early in the season it's one and uh, one and five or whatever we are one and five and we don't know where we're going down the line however with the trade deadline coming up right how does john marrick justify giving dave gettleman any any power at all to make any moves for the for the future of this team if they're even considering releasing him at the end of this year. Well, how I, well could wait they a second. Even just, how, how do you know, how do you know that? that he is? No, well, no, I'm, I'm not, not saying, trying to be a wise I'm guy. Saying, I'm not saying they are or they aren't. What I'm saying is, if it's even in their mind right now, with the start we have, I'm sure John is not happy with what's going on. No, okay? of course not. Nobody so is. it has to be in their mind, okay, if this continues going down the road over the next six games, seven games, or whatever. And we don't see any improvement in, in whatever happens. How in their mind, if they have it in their mind right now, they have to be thinking about that. I, Pete, I and they have to. Yeah, but, follow, but, but, but hold on. Like, there's something. There's something though that you do need to consider in this equation before you raise any more of, a, of an issue, and that is this: we have heard from Joe Judge himself and from other people as well that he and his coaching staff made the laundry list of what they needed, the blueprint of the players that they wanted, and we've heard great praise from Judge since the summertime that Dave Gettleman and the personnel department went out and got the guys who fit the bill. They, Judge made the menu, and Gettleman went and got the guys. Yeah, and we, we I, heard praise of Gettleman from Judge. He went and got what we wanted and what we needed. So, so you've got to be very careful to just say Dave Gettleman didn't do a good job putting this roster together when the coaching staff gave him the menu. Thank you, Pete. We got to run, pal. I appreciate the All call, right, man. guys. Thank you. All and, right, be and, well. And, and then, Pete, just to further answer your question too, I've heard this a lot from other people too. Like, oh, well, the, you know, if, if that's in limbo, then how do you let him make moves and all this stuff, guys? It's, it's actually pretty simple. If the Giants make any moves at the trade deadline, right? It's not going to be able to. To bring in, they're not trading future picks to bring in guys to help you now. No, they wouldn't do that. You're one in five, right? 
So if you're going to be making a trade, it's probably trading a player for a future asset. Right. Right. And I'm sure that Joe Judge will be consulted. Of course. So, no doubt. So that, to me, is not really an issue because whatever you're going to do is to help down the road. It's not going to hurt you down the road. It's going to help you down the road. So that's why I don't I don't see that as a huge factor here. It's not like you got to it's not like they're going to show up tomorrow and they're going to trade a first round pick for some player to try to go win the division when you're 1 and 5. At least I wouldn't think that's what no, they're trying to do. No. If they do, I'll come here and I'll, you know, may couple myself to death on tomorrow's show, but I don't think that's a realistic thing to consider here. So, I don't see that as a as a huge It's not like look at this way. It's not like they're going to remake the roster in the next week before the trade deadline shows up. We've already discussed this, John, way back when during the offseason, and that is they're pretty much locked into what they've got because of cap implications. Yeah, and the way, especially since they've moved money around on these contracts now, it's it's hard to move guys. Yeah, so the truth of the matter is, you know, for anyone to point the finger at the GM and say, well, you better not make any unwise trades in the next month. I got news for you. <laughs> He's really not in a position to do anything um, of, of significance that uh, that is going to change the situation because the way the cap works, uh, his hands are kind of tied. He could maybe make a deal or two here, maybe with a guy who's in the final year of his deal, okay? But short of that, you know, you're talking about issues that, that this team just doesn't have the flexibility to do. All right, let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Joe. Hey guys, uh, welcome to our nightmare, and it ain't even uh, Halloween yet. Uh, I'm just continuing on with your talk here. How would you put it in order the cause of this the losses this year? Would it be coaching? Would it be player performance? Would it be players, or would it be injuries? How would you list that, you guys? Uh, I main... would I would say player performance one, yep. and injuries two. Yep, I totally concur. And especially when I talk about play performance, show, for me, the defense has just been a huge disappointment. You know, going into the year, we talked about how, you know, maybe they would have a little bit of a backslide from last year, but I did not think it'd be like 27th in the NFL backslide. And I look, and I'm, I'm happy to say I was, or I'm not happy to say, but I'm sadly willing to say that I was wrong about that. But, you know, that, that, that to me is, is the bottom line here. You have the defense not being able to stop people and get off the field. And then the injuries that have hit the offense have has just made it very difficult for them the last couple of weeks to compete. Then you could also say there were some mislabels. For example, uh, Dory Jackson. You know, when, when you, you buy something, right, and it says 100% wool on the label, and then you get it, and you find out it's some kind of blend with polyester. Well, by the way, I don't that's think not it, so cool. I don't think Adoree Jackson has been bad in coverage this year. I don't think he has been what was advertised, and that's that's all I'm saying. I'm, I I I thought I thought I was going to see more from him than what I've seen, and they certainly paid a premium to get him. So then you are saying player performance first. Would you have injuries second? Yep. Yes. Yes. Both and of then, us agree. Uh, than either coaching or uh, players itself not good, uh, just ain't good enough uh, last either. Or I well, I know. mean, players not being good enough is, is in the player's performance box, too. I mean, that's a see, player sometimes doesn't perform because they're not good enough. So, know, I mean, those things are well, kind of no, connected see, that, in some that's ways. an interesting comment, and, and that's where what? I, I got to kind of take a, a, a knife here and try to cut that onion because player performance – 
sometimes isn't because the player isn't good enough. Sometimes he just had a bad year or he's had a bad slump or he's or maybe he's hurt more than we know or whatever the case may be. You know, when a guy has a resume, John, for example, get Logan Ryan. He's a good NFL player, solid player for a lot of years in the National Football League. He is not playing very well this year. He's just not. And he knows that. He's admitted that to us in his press briefings. He has not played up to his standard of play. Does that mean he's not a good player? No, but it means his performance hasn't been up to par. The bad news with the Giants is that most of their rotational defensive players and their starters are in the same boat. Does that mean all of those guys are not very good players or they're just playing poorly this year? That's that's the real crux of what you have to figure out. Well, and I think we'll we'll know that you know as you get more years under their belts, right? I, mean, I don't know if that's a question. That well, we, we may know now. over the rest of this season. Well, that too. Yeah. Sure. The clock is ticking on all these guys. Yeah. I, I could think of one play, like either an interception or a receiver holding on the ball for a touchdown. The first two games, we'd be three and three, and we would not be talking about this. And and know. Joe, that's that's a that's a we had a caller say that the other day on our program yesterday, and I think that's a very wise way to think about it because right. player performance, missed opportunities, have changed the entire perspective. In a large paintbrush kind of uh, of of, um, of instance of what this roster is, I agree with that to an extent because those two games could have gone either way. You want to split the baby on that and make them one and one, and then you're two and four. I don't think it's fair to give the Giants three wins in all three of their close games. Right? They beat the Saints in a close game and they lost two close games. You want to give them two out of three? Okay, that puts well, them certainly two the four. Washington game without any hesitation okay, whatsoever. That game was stolen from them. It, my point, well, though, it isn't fair to just say, oh, they're going to win every close game. That, well, the, the idea is I, that's I not the way the that. NFL works. I, 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 you, know, you can't win every close game. Here's, here's a bottom line number. Paul, you know what I like to use to determine how good a team is in any given year, right? What do I like to use? Point differential. Do you know where the Giants are right now in point differential this year? Well, after last week, not well. They're the third worst in the league. Right. Yeah, well, as, as it is what it is. Say, as, as Parcell says, you are what you are, and when we are one in five, how long is this nightmare going to go on? But, but of course, the all. point differential has been exacerbated by the depletion due to injury. Sure, no, that's absolutely true. Well, that's why I put injury as as you know number yeah. two on the list. Yeah, sure. we agree on yeah. on both one and two. Yeah. Anyway, Joe, like. it is, and that that's the thing that really Thank stinks. You, Joe. Uh, you know, I said yesterday, John, the Giants dug themselves a hole by not winning the two games against Atlanta and Washington oh, that they should have won. The killers. And so once you dig yourself a hole, okay, and then you the somebody comes along and yeah. says, we're taking your shovel. I know. Well, now you're in the hole, and you don't have the shovel to dig out of it. You're stuck in the hole. No, it's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. That's why you can't give away games in this league. That's why the Washington and Atlanta games were such brutal losses. And people wonder why. And Look, I don't remember what I was saying after those games or when I was on BBKL, but if you detected a tremendous amount of anger, angst, fire, kerosene in my emotion, 
That's why. No, look, those because two, I knew those two games. You can't give those games away. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Paul. Those two games bothered me a million times more than the last two games against Dallas Without and Los doubt. Angeles, and it's not close. Without a doubt. Because look, we knew, and look, we we were honest about it on the show. We knew going into those Dallas and Los Angeles games, those are going to be tough slogs. You would have had to play a, your perfect game to beat those two teams. Just you know, the two giveaway games that 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 they they will. Those are the games that will always stick in your craw. Oh, yeah. Okay? It's like stepping on a rusty nail with bare feet no. <laughs> on the boardwalk. Okay? That's what it is. And you know what happens when that rusty nail penetrates the bottom of your foot on the boardwalk? It causes complications and problems far-reaching beyond that day. And that's what's happened to the Giants. Final call of the show. We got Paul, his eyes are bugging out of his head right now, folks. I wish you were on camera. You got to see the look on this dude's face. His eyes are popping out. Look, I got re-energized by the Knicks last night. Let me just tell you, John. I was so up for that game last night. I watched every second of it and loved it. And they not only did they win, they did it to the Celtics. <laughs> oh, God, I loved it. <laughs> Let's go to Tim in Charleston. He'll wrap us up today. Tim, what do you got? Wow, wow. So I guess that uh, Paul is di- just diagnosed the Giants' problems. They have tetanus, right, from stepping on the rest there of the There you go. They have tetanus. They have the football equivalent of tetanus. <laughs> they have tetanus. There you go. I love it. I got to do a speaking to engagement tonight. I'm going to use that. Can I, can I steal that from you? Someone wants you to talk yeah, to them? Who ahead. are these yeah. people? The in, Giants have tetanus. In, <laughs> in, in, instead of lockjaw, they got lock arm. They can't tackle, and they got alligator arms when they're trying to catch a touchdown pass and an interception. But anyway, okay. Uh, I know you don't have a lot of time. So, uh, I, you know, I don't have a lot, but there's a couple of callers this week that I actually wanted to respond to. One of them is today, and that's pretty easy. And the guy who, you know, who is praising Daniel Jones and everything, and I'm a big Jones supporter, and, and he, like, thinks he's going to be beyond Eli and, and, and Phil. And, Paul, you obviously gave me a reality check, said you're overstepping. But you know what? It's his third year. In, in Phil Simms' third year in 1981, did we think he was ever really going to take us to a Super Bowl? In Eli Manning's third year in 2006, did we think he was ever going to have a team yeah. around him to take us to the Super oh, Bowl? Heck, it took so, Phil you know six what? years. To before he was a, exactly. a bonafide star. But I, I, will, I will say this very quickly. Right. Daniel Jones, if you just look at, I'm going to take the art of playing quarterback, the mental, all that out of it. If you just talk about physical ability, oh, he has the skills, physical baby. ability to, to be as good, if not better, than those guys, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, that's true. But, of course, but, that, and, but, and, but and, that, and, then skills, again, skill set. And that's only 30% or 40% of playing the position. So, so there's Correct. a lot more to it. Correct. But just wanted to throw that out there, Tim. Right. But he can't complete passes laying on his back, as we've, we've heard many times before. Right. And the second, call, the second caller, and then I have a real quick question for you before I know you're on Preston's clock. The second caller called on Monday. And, oh, my God, am I remembering now? Oh, and, yeah, and um, his, his comment was, and he made a couple of comments, and you guys who were on on Monday, you spoke to one of them, but you ne- didn't really address the other one. And he said, you know, when when the Giants were good, or even when they were they were becoming good, there was always one thing you could hang your hat on. Well, they're really good at this. They have a really good running game, or they've got they're they're you know they're completing the ball downfield, or they've got a great front four, or they're great front seven, or they're they put a lot of pressure on. And and he said, 
what are these giants really good at? And and I you know I never I hadn't thought about it before, and I'm like, I can't identify one thing. Well, I mean, Tim, even I special say, teams, which I would which should be with special. Go ahead, let me just special teams, which should be a big, you know, should hopefully be a part of that. I mean, they'd be good, but you can't say like, wow, the special teams is keeping us in games mm-hmm. because when when push comes to shove, we're getting short punts and you know missed opportunities there too. Thank you, ahead, Tim. John, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Appreciate the call, man. We got to run. Appreciate it, Tim. And and I, I will certainly answer your question. Last Listen year it was online. red zone defense. The 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 two spots, based on how they've allocated resources, Paul, and just the talent on the roster, what should be this team's strength? Weapons on offense, playmakers. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. First round pick Saquon Barkley. Second round pick Sterling Shepard. First round pick Kadarius Tony. Mm-hmm. Big money contract Kenny Galladay. First-round pick, Evan Ingram. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of resources to put into playmakers, okay? So that should be your strength on offense. On defense, Paul, big money contract for Bradbury. Big money contract for Dory Jackson. Jabril Peppers, former first-round pick, big part of the Beckham trade. Sign Logan Ryan for agency. Second-round pick, Xavier McKinney. Fourth-round pick, Darnay Holmes. Third-round pick, Aaron Robinson. Mm -hmm. It should be the secondary. Mm Mm-hmm. That's where I think, simply based on the resources and talent that have been allocated, where the strengths of this roster should be. What's happened this year? The playmakers have been decimated by injuries. Ingram, Slayton, Shepard, Galladay. My God, Paul, it's every one. Tony. No, it's every single one. Mm-hmm. Every guy I mentioned. Even Jones got hurt for a game. Every single one of them has been hurt. Literally, every yeah. single one. Yes. So injuries has destroyed that on offense. We saw hints of it in some of the games, but that's been mm-hmm. now nullified, at least for the time being. Then on defense, it goes back to the number one on our list that Joe asked us about, right? Mm-hmm. Guys not playing as well as we think that they should, or they're capable of doing. Right. And this is what you get. Do you agree with that? I, I don't have no problem with what you said. I, if I did, I would tell you. It's just the way it is. All right. Tomorrow, it's me, Lance, and Cross as we get you ready. Oh, good, a lot of cross short jokes about Lance for an hour. That's always fun. He's good at those. No, he's very good at those, absolutely. So tune in if you want to see Lance. And Lance doesn't even notice him sometimes, which is the best part. They fly over his head sometimes. And the best thing about it? No pun intended. Cross is so big, Lance just has to take it. Oh, yes. <laughs> it would basically be like, one of my favorite scenes was still, I, I was out for, for some reason. I don't remember if I was sick. I was on assignment or whatever. But it was when we signed Jeff Schwartz. And I wasn't here to do the one-on-one interview during free agency. I don't know where I was, but I wasn't here. Okay. They had Lance do the interview on set in the studio. It was like Santa bouncing a little kid on his knee. <laughs> the size difference with those two guys sitting next to each other. That's the equivalent with like Lance and Howard. It's like, you know how like the... <laughs> It's the, time to say goodbye, John. You know how the ventriloquists have like the dummy It's other time up? to say goodbye. Up. It's kind of like that. <laughs> Have a great day, people. We'll be with you on Friday at 1230 for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live for Paul DeTito. I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you then, everybody. Have a great Thursday. And and thank you, Phil Sims.